This is loudspeaker. Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Find My Parent was born out of the need for a child-centered mechanism to reunite children around the world with their families, including those abducted by one of their own parents. Find My Parent exists to give the power back to the victims of child abduction using secure and confidential technology that empowers and reunites families. Children and families are supported through the entire process by Find My Parent's partners specializing in providing reunification assistance emotional support, and other services to victims, and is also actively involved in raising awareness of the issues of abduction, exploitation, as well as national and international parental abduction. Today, we spend time talking with Enrique Gutierrez, a father and victim of his own daughter being taken away from him. He is the founder of Find My Parent, a technology platform created to help children find their parents and families during parental abduction, separation caused by refugee situations, natural disasters, foster care services, and human trafficking. interested in learning about this topic. I know somebody had reached out to me to tell me a little bit more about Find My Parent, but before we get there, I would love for you to tell me a little bit more about you. Like, where did you grow up? Um, just tell me a little bit more about you, and if you had a role model or even mentor that you looked up to um, that was involved in philanthropy, uh, because you're involved in it now. So, Enrique, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on the show, Dr. Phillips. Appreciate it. Um, yes, that's those are some great questions here. Um, I grew up in San Jose, California, um, heart of the Silicon Valley. Uh, this is before all the tech boom. <laughs> um, uh, both of my parents were immigrants to this country, and um, I, you know, I had a little bit of a rough childhood. Uh, we lived in poverty, uh, but both of my parents were working very hard and diligently to provide a better life for me. So if um, both of them were my role models in terms of their hard work and ethics and values. And, um, but now in terms of philanthropy, if I would say who's my role model in philanthropy, um, I would say Dave Duffield, actually. Um, he's the, uh, or he, was, he was a founder of Workday and PeopleSoft. Um, his philanthropy is in a completely different aspect. It's, uh, it's with animals, with dogs, uh, with his dog, Maddie. And I was very touched when I actually worked at the uh, workday and found out about more about why he started the foundation. And um, so, yeah, I would say that he would be my role model. Awesome. So tell me a little bit more about, and you know, you, you created and founded Find My Parent. I know that you've got a story behind that. So share your story and why is it so important um, that you created Find My Parent? And what is it all about? Right. So Find My Parent... Um, 
the concept came about in terms of how do I empower my daughter and millions of children out there in this world who don't have a parent. And for that, you'd have to understand the backstory between my daughter and I um, to understand why I'm highly motivated to make sure that Find My Parent is successful. But Find My Parent's all about empowering children uh, for many reasons or circumstances in life. It can be that a child does not have a parent in their life. Um, I think uh, most of us who are parents, we we love our, ch our children and things happen. Um, sometimes events that make separate you from your child. In my case, it was through divorce. Uh, my ex-wife will living in Japan is taking advantage of the Japanese laws that she does not let me partake in my daughter's life. Um, and there's data that there's at least 3 million children in Japan who don't have access to a parent because of the Japanese laws. And as I started doing more research, I found out there's over 350 million children worldwide who don't have access to a parent for whatever reason. Um, and since my parents meant a lot to me growing up, they're, they're a core of who I am today in terms of my family values. And I think every child should have uh, the love of a parent. And so Find My Parent is to empower children to go out and seek their other half because they're not only missing out the love of their dad or mom, right, of one parent, but they're also missing out in terms of love of the entire family, entire another culture, their side of them that they don't get to know. Yeah. So you're talking about children who, um, like 350 million is a lot, is a lot. And are you talking about children who have just, are with one parent, right? And they may not necessarily know where their other parent is or might not have been told or they've been abducted or taken by that one parent. Tell me a little bit more about this story because I feel like, um, this situation itself is not talked about as often. And I don't know if that's true or not. I have noticed, you know, uh, a few people maybe on Facebook that have mentioned it, if anything, you know, that um, they've been searching for their kids, you know, or um, a parent or their ex or whatever it is took them, you know, so I know the story that I've seen that one side took the child. And for me as a parent, it makes me not really understand it very well because I'm thinking, how is that possible? Like, how do you not like go out and get your kid? If, if your child was taken from you, right? It just seems like a simple question, but how does this even happen? And I get the country maybe might be different, but even in the U.S. this has happened. I have a friend who has not seen her kid since her ex died and it's just and the parents took them. And I'm like, how do you not have your kids, even in the US? So talk to me a little bit more about these different situations and what actually happens. Right, and you bring a, a valid question. So, I mean, before all this happened to me, I always wonder like, oh, that person's a single mother. And I think the first thing you think is like, oh, it's a deadbeat dad or whatever, right? That's usually the first concept that runs through our minds. And unfortunately, I've learned that's not true. Um, I dug into this issue much deeper than I ever thought I would. Um, and it is alarming. Uh, in the United States, there's at least 20 million children who do not have a parent in their life, which is insane, right? Um, but I think the reason why it's not talked about is it's one of those things that we 
never really further ask questions when somebody's like, oh, it's just a single mom, and we automatically assume this the father is a bad man, automatically by default. Um, that's one thing, and the other thing is it's not talked about because it's it's a stigma that comes with it. Um, you know, like people don't like to talk about sensitive topics. That's that's just a fact. Um, in terms of how it happens, um, well, in my particular situation, um, a lot of times you stepping back, you kind of see some of the red flags of a parent perhaps planning and doing that um, and executing. And you, I think, I think being a rational parent and thinking the best interest for your child, you don't want to do anything irrational that would destabilize your child emotionally and mentally. But the other parent is willing to go that extra mile because he or she may not have any ethical bounds, perhaps, in, in that regard. Um, me, personally, the way it happened, um, I found out my, that my ex-wife was having an affair. Um, and uh, I divorced her on that ground after giving her multiple tries in Japan. And uh, that brings a lot of shame to the family. Right, and one that she's divorced, two that she's having an affair. Right, um, and we were able to, I think it's called nest parenting, where the child stays at one place and the parent kind of goes and comes for a certain amount of time until until she realized that this relationship was really was over. And she couldn't accept that. Um, and how it happens in terms of basically getting kicked out of your child's life, in my case, in my personal case, and other cases that I read, uh, but my personal case was that since I was no longer living in the house, um, it was easy for her to call the police and say, hey, this man is my child's father, but he is abducting our child, and therefore I am now looked at as a bad person. That's one way that can be done in Japan. The other way is false accusations of domestic violence, because in Japan, domestic violence is not investigated thoroughly. Mm -hmm. Any person, well, usually a woman can go into a domestic violence center in Japan and say claim domestic violence without any evidence required. Um, and the mo the, for the most part, that can be said here in the United States as well, if I'm um, if I'm candid with you, um, when we were living here in California, she committed domestic violence against me. And the police basically kind of just like laughed about it. Mm. It's just like, well, you're a man, you know, you can handle it. That's expected of a man. And it's these double standards in society. Um, it's unfortunate. And uh, these double standards in society where women are allowed to have feelings and emotions, but men are supposed to be more robotic. Um, expectations. Uh, in my case, after I was accused from trying to abduct my daughter, which is completely false allegations, uh, and calling the police and people need to understand racism in Japan, which uh, here in this country, we talk about racism. Um, 
that we don't ever think at the macro level. We always think about the micro level here in this country. But when we look, think about other countries outside of the United States in terms of racism and how bad it really is, it makes this country look great in terms of wow. all the policies that we have in place to avoid racism and discrimination. Um, me, for example, I had friends in Japan who warned me, when you ever, if you ever get stopped by a police in Japan, you say you're American, period. Don't say anything else. Don't say you're Mexican or Spanish heritage. Do not say that. I was like, why not? It's like, you need to understand the mentality of a Japanese person is that they look down upon everybody. This is why in Japan there is Japanese or gaijin, which means foreigner. That's all they care about. You're either Japanese or you're not Japanese. That's it. And you saying you're American, you're a little bit better than the rest of the foreigners. But everybody else in the same playing field, which is, in her words, quote unquote, the bottom of the barrel. And um, I found that really hard to believe. I like, no, that can't be true, right? But it happened to me the first time that my ex-wife accused me of abduction. Uh, my daughter's grandmother came with the police. By the way, I informed my ex-wife. I was at the park with my daughter playing. I'm like, I'm here at this park playing with her. My ex-mother-in-law shows up with the police and um, she's saying that I'm abducting our daughter. My daughter's crying. She wants to play with me. Mother, the grandmother took her. And my daughter kept crying for her papa. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're a teacher assistant. You should know better. This is traumatic for a child. You don't bring police in front of a child. That's not what you do. And, um, she started repeating to the police that I am Mexican, Spanish. And I'm like, wait, this is what my friend was warning me about, that if this happens, you state you're American. And the police were like, oh, you're Mexican, Spanish, Mexican, uh, Spanish. I'm like, yeah. Uh, I was like, no, 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 I'm American. Uh, and she's like, and then she kept saying, no, he's, he's Mexican and Spanish. And I, I, th I think she was doing that because she knew in terms of how the lower value I would have with her saying that in front of the police and they could go ahead and arrest me because many people in Japan get arrested just for not being Japanese and just an accusation is enough to arrest somebody in Japan. Um, and I said, no, 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 I'm not Mexican and I'm not Spanish. I am American. And they kept looking at me like, huh? And they believed her and I like, pulled out, I pulled out my American passport. So like, see, I'm American. And like, oh, okay, okay, okay. American, American, American. Um, and the fact that I have green eyes and light brown hair, I was able to somewhat get away with it. But it was my really one of my the first times with the police that I, I realized how scared I was uh, in terms of I could have been arrested just for a false accusation that anybody made just because they were upset that I was playing with my daughter. Um, and even when I was getting in my own house in Japan, <laughs> the level of racism, which is insane. And we, thankfully, we have laws against, against the United States, but I was discriminated because of my age, because of, and I'll, I'll get into that. So I work in the Silicon Valley. I've worked in consulting. And uh, when, when I moved to Japan, I still retained my job in the Silicon Valley, but working remotely. Um, and when I was applying for housing in Japan to get a, a, a my house there, uh, it was a new apartment of a condo building. It was gorgeous. It was getting built, and uh, I was talking to an aid, uh, my friend who, who works at an agency there, 
and uh, they need a proof of income, which is normal, right? And I provided that information, and uh, they came back. The apartment agency, apartment complex agency, said, um, "This is impossible that a, a man that's not Japanese makes this kind of money, and also at this young age." I was like, "What? What do you mean? Like, I'm getting discriminated now because of I'm not Japanese, and also because of my age? <laughs> that's, that's completely unfair, right?" So. I ask, I offer like, okay, well, well, I can go ahead and put a down payment, which you do here in, in the United States, right? Uh, first or last month. I'm so like, I can do that, not an issue. Uh, and they said, no, that's not enough. That since I'm a, they didn't believe me in terms of my income, they had to call the company I work for and validate my income. I'm like, ah, just whatever, do that, not an issue. Once they validated my income, um, they, uh, once they validated my income, they still said they still had doubts. So they asked the agency that I was working with that I had to buy a policy that was a security just in case they did not pay the monthly rent. And I, that was blown away. I was like, okay. And then the agency I was with is like, I, we've never heard of this. I was like, okay, <laughs> uh, whatever. So she did some research, came back and said $3 a month. Enrique, I'm like, that's fine, whatever, $3 a month for this policy, no big deal. Um, and then she went and talked to the to the agency, and he's like, okay, we have this. And then they came back and they said, well, actually, um, that's fine, but since he's a foreigner, he needs to get an insurance that covers if he destroys the place of his living. And I'm like, why would I destroy that? Okay. <laughs> and then... My agency came back like we've never heard of this either. I will look for an insurance that covers you if you destroy the if you destroy the place. I'm like, my goodness, okay. Came back and like it's three three dollars a month again. I'm like, that's fine, go for it. I mean, this is nothing, right? But I was insulted. It's like just because, and I talked to other friends who who are Japanese. Like, yeah, we don't have to do any of this. No, it's just we just sign documents and we just give a a deposit, and that's it. And I'm like, so here I am having to. They have to validate my income, have insurance that I am going to pay the, 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 the rent mortgage, and also an insurance on top that I'm not going to destroy the apartment. It's not like if, if there's a fire or an earthquake. It's like that I personally will not destroy the, the, the apartment. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. Um, and then so they submit that, and then they come back, and they say, this is great. We have everything in order. And then they said, now we just need a family relative of his who's Japanese to sign the documents with him as a cosign. I'm like, oh, that's great. I mean, do you not see my entire full name that is not Japanese? Like, where do you expect me to happen? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you want me to just all of a sudden grow an offspring that I've been a Japanese for the last hundred years? Doesn't make sense. And, and I, I got the memo at that point. They didn't want to, they, it was a brand new, beautiful view apartment in downtown Nagoya. And obviously they didn't want a foreigner to get that apartment. I understood it. And at that point, I, I told my agent, like, listen, I get, I get it. I mean, you could have guys just been very clear from the very beginning instead of me wasting my time in terms of the level of racism there is here. And wow. uh, yeah, I mean, having that in mind and then and ex my ex-wife taking advantage of the local laws and the racism that it, against others who are not Japanese, you're basically pushed against the wall. Um, and I talked to U.S. government officials, the ambassador, Haggerty, uh, he was ambassador of Tokyo Embassy. He basically said, 
listen, there's 10,000 American children who've been abducted to Japan. Japan doesn't return them. We don't, we can't do anything. There's, we, what do you want me to do? Uh, like, well, if there's 10,000 American children, why aren't you doing something about it by now? And he said, well, either you have a lot of money or you, or, or you have a lot of people behind this. And I'm like, well, I don't have any of those, but I'll be back. And, you know, find my parent kind of came out, came out of that thought process. Um, I reached out to Nancy Pelosi in the United States. She said, I emailed her, no interest. AOC, no interest. Um, obviously our president, but our president can be a bit rash. He never got back to me. Wow, I have so many questions. Okay, so you moved, that's incredible just to hear all of that um, and just mind boggling. You know, you, so you moved to, Japan. So this all happened in Japan and you moved there and were your wife, did your wife or at the time and you were they, were you together and you moved with your daughter and how old was your daughter during all of this? That's correct. So we, this is in 2018. Uh, my daughter at this point in time was two, two and a half years old. We moved in September of 2018. Okay. Um, we had planned to move there for temporarily for two years maximum to Japan. Um, part of it was how she, I felt that she was pushing my entire family out of my daughter's life. And I figured perhaps she needed some moral guidance from her parents. And, and she had threatened me many times also that she would take her daughter to Japan. And I said, well, I don't know much about her family in Japan. I must go there to kind of get to know what, how to get around there. Right. That's number one. Um, and I read about the laws, about the Hague Convention, um, how Japan does not return any abducted child back to the country that the child was abducted from. So I had that in the back of my mind already. I, I knew that this is a possibility, how she kept threatening me. And I knew that the Japanese government would do nothing about it. And my U.S. government would do nothing about it either to some extent. But I didn't know to that, like to blatantly just ignore me. I didn't know they would be that bad. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind. And uh, we had planned to move there like in late 2017. We like were take about a year planning. And uh, yeah, um, my daughter, we moved in there in September of 2018 um, to kind of get a fresh start of, uh, of our marriage because it was not doing well. Um, and yeah, we ended up divorcing there. And my daughter was, went with both of us. Well, you know, and we also took our cat. So you all went over with um, U.S. passports, right? Because the word abduction is just so, it, it feels foreign to people, well, to me, but then also to people thinking, wait a minute, it's like your own kid. How can a parent abduct their own kid, right? So I think a question that, you know, as people are listening to this, you know, hearing your story and thinking, okay, um, they all went together. They went to get a fresh start as a family, right? Moved over. Everybody had U.S. passports, right? Right. Like, what happened? Like, how could you not physically, like, how, how did you have to leave? Like, how did this all happen where you had to leave and leave your child behind? Or was it, I mean, I might not even be saying the right words to you either. Maybe it was, you know, you were um, just not even able to access your daughter when it was time to go. Or like, how did that be where, how, how was that where you actually separated? And then you are where you are, basically. Right. Um, so... I think we, first we have to look at the definition of abduction, right? It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. basically 
it's an event or known well you keep a minor away from somebody else usually but you can also have a, a, a um an adult, an adult as well but in this mm -hmm. case it's a, it's a minor um so how did it all happen um it's a great question because as we were co-parenting up till january of 2019 I left to Europe for work because I had to go there to, to work on some contracts for, for my work. Um, she begged me not to leave. That She asked me to quit my job and she would take care of me, which is not possible financially for her. Um, I said, I, I, that's just not possible. One, I have a child that I have to provide child support for. Um, and second, you know, I have my own life as well. Um, I can't just quit my job and rely on you. And theoretically, you're not even my wife anymore. So how would this even work out? Um, and what happened there in that instance is since, since I left to Europe, which she actually was at the airport with our daughter, um, that's when I all started. After that, it was basically an uphill battle. Um, and what the term abduction, what happens here in Japan, I think also in many other countries in Latin America, and perhaps the United States that I've seen when I've talked to people is uh, in Japan is, and I can look this up, is normal abduct, basically take a child away from a home and not let the other person see them, meaning the other person is the other parent. It's, it's actually, it's actually the government, the lawyers, the system in place promotes it because the person who abducts the child first can say they have continuity of the child and therefore they will retain sole custody. And then it's up to that parent if, if or not they let that child see the other parent. So they're basically, it's like terrorism to some extent. It's just like, so no laws protect the other parent. Like one parent can just decide to do this and that's it. And then they have the rights. Absolutely. You don't even have to be divorced. Wow. I know people in Japan who I've talked to, who I've connected, they're like, I'm not even divorced. And my wife, still wife, got upset with me in an argument and just took our children away and I'm not able to see them. And the local police will not do anything about it. The government will not do anything. Um, which is mind boggling to mm -hmm. anybody outside of like that. I mean, I think even for them, it was mind-boggling because they couldn't believe it. And a lot of people in Japan don't even aren't even aware of this, that such thing can be done. Um, and Latin America is something similar to that extent. A, basically, a parent will just grab the child and move and vanish. And then the parents basically left the pole, like, where did they go? Um, I think in this country, we're much more fortunate where we can have, we can trace somebody, uh, much easier, but it still has happened. I've come across here in the United States individuals who's told me, yeah, I filed for divorce for with my uh, spouse, and then they basically, I came back home and they were gone, and I, can't, I, couldn't, I couldn't find them. And a lot of the biggest problem here that people, people don't realize is some people don't have the financial resources mm -hmm. to go and try to look for the children, because um, it, it takes a lot of money, and also, it's emotionally devastating. It's mentally devastating. You still have a job and you have to work to, 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 to provide to yourself. Um, and if you don't have that job, um, 
it's just it's gonna it's just a down down one spin. Uh, and, and so you have to look at the economic side of that thing as well, and uh, you know looking at what the mean income is in the United States and most of most most Americans. Can they afford lawyers that charge five hundred dollars an hour? Can you afford a private investigator to look for a child? Thanks. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to be insensitive at all, but I feel like there's a lot of people just kind of listening, but that might listen to this and think, you know, I mean, what is the other alternative? Like you talked about the economic part of it, the financial reasons, you know, you talk, I'm thinking, sitting here thinking about the emotional, psychological um, position that you're putting the kid in as well, right? And then I'm, as a parent, I'm thinking, you know, there's so many mixed emotions, but I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I would sit in front of their front door until I actually, you know what I mean? I just, and, and I'm sure people are thinking, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? Or there just, there's so many different things to think about. Um, and I can't even imagine your, you know, your heart and your emotional state having to leave. And I, I you know, you know, you didn't give up, but you're going to have to come back stronger. You're going to have to develop something or, or work on something, but in the right way. Right. Um, and so there's just so many things that I think that a lot of people, hopefully, you know, as we learn about what you've developed, um, that they can maybe get involved. Now, find my parent, you know, talking a little bit more about it. I do want to learn a little more about how does it all work, but you're coming from, are you coming from the advocacy point of the child as well as the parent or mostly the child, you know, that will at some point as they grow older figure out hey you know i don't know if this is right like will they get to that mindset of like i'm not too sure this is right let me go out and search or is this also for the parent as well so to answer the first part of it is like why didn't i just stand in front of her house well it, you have to understand japan and i thought about this and I, I really did but you're so emotionally and mentally fragile mm -hmm. uh, i was talking to my friends my family they're like, you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you need to get yourself together, number one, right? Because you look like the psycho at this point in time, because I'm the one that's going through all this, and she's not. She's completely fine at this point in time, right? And they're right about that. And the other side of it is in Japan, you can get, I, I could, if I would have done exactly what you said, which I thought about many times, I would be arrested. Remember, there's, I, I don't have, there, in Japan, you can get rearrested every 21 days, and the police don't have to have a reason. So, I mean, I thought about it, it ran through my mind. It's like, but if I do this, I'm going to keep getting rearrested and rearrested and rearrested until forever, for the end of my life, basically. And this is not a joke. You can go look it up. With, I think Carlos Gunn, which is the CEO of, or was the CEO of, uh, of Reynolds and also Nissan, he got arrested for over 100 days and just nonstop. And I know people who also have done exactly what you suggested for me to do, and they keep getting rearrested until they say, like, listen, you need to just leave them alone. Wow. So going through that, I'm like, I'll be stuck in this. I'll be stuck in this circle and I'll never get out. Right. And I figured, okay, if I take a step back, get myself together and perhaps she'll calm down, I'll calm down. We can work this out. Mm -hmm. That was rational, logical thinking. And obviously it did not turn that way. I can go back to Japan and stand in front of her front door. I'll get arrested though. And, uh, at what point? What does that good does? It, what good does that do to my daughter, knowing that her father's behind bars, and um, there's nothing, right? 
I can't do anything. Um, the other part of it in terms of Find My Parent was designed to be child center for advocacy, empower children. That's what we want to do. Um, because children do have rights under the U UNCRC. Um, certain countries violate those rights. Um, not just Japan. There's other countries that violate those rights. Um, so we want to empower children to go and find their identity, half of their identity, because may they, some may only know half. Some may not know any of them, mm -hmm. right? But in giving, empowering children to go and find them. And you brought up also a valid point in terms of how do you get their attention and awareness. Well, one thing that Find My Parent is doing is creating animation. We talk about the, about the topic indirectly and directly and also promote our, our organization that way through cartoons, right, for children. Um, and I think for them to take it like, oh, maybe there's something else that I don't know about me and something that's not being told the truth about me. And I think a lot of, a lot of this is misunderstanding, misconception or not being informed, right? of what's really going on when you have 20 million American children who don't know a parent and they can say, oh yeah, my dad abandoned me. That's the easiest thing to say as a mm -hmm. mom, right? Or a dad or whatever who, who, sorry, as a child to say like my dad abandoned me, but without really knowing the deep to the depth of, of what actually really did happen. Um, so yeah, find my parents child center advocacy. And also one other thing we, we want to indirectly educate those who have gone through this that they're not alone because i felt alone for the longest i'm like this is only happening to me and but little by little i started i found out that there's millions of more parents who are in the same position i am in but never have really spoken out or haven't have an avenue to speak out and this is what i want to do with find my parent the technology to empower them and really empower them with their voice mm -hmm. more than anything because i don't think there's another technology out there that empowers that uh, empowers those parents or those affected parents yeah so where are you getting your stories at like or the animations you know besides you know you've got a lot of social media links that we will put in our show notes but you right. know website you know how are you know, and I'm a professional as well, right? And I see kids and, and families and everything like that. So how best is it to get, what are you doing right now? And people that are listening, how best is it to share this message out and to get people involved? Right. Um, great question. The stories, how we get them usually is uh, through our webpage. And as we start, I, I, when I started Find My Parent, I started the hiring process of bringing individuals. And as I was interviewing certain individuals, the candidates, a lot of people didn't really think about it until they heard my story. Like they would tell me like, you know what? I actually know somebody that doesn't know one of their parents now that you mention it. I never really thought about it much on this way. Um, and then what would happen is they would actually, even, even, even if they weren't hired, by the way, they would go and talk to their friend or know somebody or cousin or whatever it may be. And then go, and they would email me back like, yeah, after, I've actually found out more information, actually. And I'm completely mind blown of what they've said. But it basically, you know, one parent walked away, apparently, and never came back. And I'm like, yeah, as a parent yourself, right, Dr. Phillips, would you ever walk away from your child? Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't walk away from my child. Um, I don't think any parent can. 
I don't think any sane parent can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, yeah, it's mo- the probability of that happened. I mean, if you dig deeper, you'll start finding out. And they kept finding out stories that some things that did not add up. And I think that's the level of awareness that we need to bring out to individuals in terms of, like, speak about it. Ask questions. I know these are really difficult questions to ours. Ask family, friends. Like, where is your parent that's missing in your life for the last X mm-hmm. amount of years? We sometimes don't think about it. And I mean, I have uh, another individual who works for Find My Parent. And uh, she mentioned to me, like, you know, I never really asked questions of why that parent was not present. And in my family, in my cousin's family, in my in aunt's family. But then I started asking questions after I joined your organization. And I found out that, you know, it was, again, it's just one person abducted a child and just basically took them. Wow. And but we don't we, we just don't talk about it because mm-hmm. we never want to ask these difficult questions. Um, and now that we have social media platform over the last several weeks, people have been reaching out to us via email. Um, people apply to our to our organization and they have a story to tell. And the way we're going stories right now is the initial episodes that we're doing in Japan. They're based out of my experience with my daughter and my my daughter. And start building on that with other people when I start interviewing people in Japan who who have been affected and like this is how my life was in Japan not having my father in my life and building stories like that and then part of our animation is we do it in the local language in this case will be in Japanese and in English we'll always do it in English and then our main characters are travel the world so now we also are talking to people in South Korea of individuals who haven't had a parent in their life and their point of view, how has it affected them? And then we write stories when our main characters go to South Korea because they're going to be traveling the world. And then we incorporate their stories. So it's very personal and it's real. Um, and we'll we'll always do it in English and we'll always do it in the local language where the children are traveling to. So we also grab that audience and have them speak about to their local governments that this needs to change. Hi, everybody. My name is Ellie, and I would like to welcome you to Find My Parent, the place where us children have the power. After my parents divorced, I lost contact with my papa. No one ever explained to me why or where he went, and I was left feeling incomplete. Lots of kids live like me without their mom or dad. Some live without both their parents. I was so sad without my papa. Then one day, I discovered Find My Parent, and my search for my papa began. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's so true too. You know, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, yeah, people don't ask. They're, they're like, oh, your, your parents are divorced. Oh, okay. Or whatever it is, you know, you only, you're a single parent, right? And you don't ask the question, the next question of what really happened? Or do you actually know, you know, uh, what actually happened? Or did you just grow up in a single parent household? Right. Right. Um, And so this is pretty new. It sounds pretty new because you moved to Japan and everything happened in 2018. So Find My Parent is really new. Um, But you have, I was looking and learning a little bit more about it and talk a little bit more about what either the process is or what you've envisioned the process to be with this matching um, thing going on for uh, children who are searching. And then also these are going to be about kind of adult, right? Uh, uh, I want to say children, but adult um, uh, kids and um, 
I just said adult kids. <laughs> but they have to be somewhat, again, of that mindset to say, I am going to ask, start to ask those questions of myself, you know, whether my, my other parent that raised me is around or not, um, to be able to go to the search engine and figure this out, right? Um, how does everything work on Find My Parent with this matching process? Yep. And with our platform, you know, anybody can sign up. Um, and we plan to actually develop a game later on so we can captivate a child's attention so they can use it as well um, and enter information. So that we're working on that platform as well. Um, but I think a child always has curiosity of asking questions, right? I think, I mean, I did. We're always the annoying kids, like asking so many questions. <laughs> Our elementary school teachers, and we have to thank them for being so tolerant. Um, but we always have questions as kids, and I think with Find My Parent is we will cater to that, to young children and also obviously to adults and trying to find out more about themselves. And the way it works is actually there's four layers to it. Um, there's a very, very basic event. So I thought about put myself in my daughter's place when I came with the concept in, earlier this year, actually, in March. And during her birthday, I came up with the concept of it. It's like, if... God forbid, I go many more years without seeing my daughter. How can I empower her and all these other children to find the parent, right? Um, so the first layer of the way it works is the child enters information about the family that they know, which is the mom and all the friends the mom knows and family that the mom knows. Uh, the other parent, in my case, I know all the information about her, my ex-wife's entire family. Right, and obviously about my ex-wife and her child, and these this is information and, and my ex-wife's friends and everything. So, if my daughter were to enter any of the information data points that have a correlation to that, that's how one way we make a match. Mm -hmm. That's the first layer. The second layer is we have these devices that are extremely popular now, and it just about every person has on planet Earth. One thing that second layer we share a lot of pictures, lost. A lot of media is being shared, right? And um, and we take pictures of everything, literally everything, right? And so when you were with this significant other of yours that you, when you had a child with, if you upload any of these pictures that he or she may have, that the child may have access to and uploads it into our platform, we actually find it the exact image within our database. So if you upload, if you and I upload the same picture, I'll say like, listen, uh, uh, Dr. Philip Enrique has the same picture that you uploaded. Mm -hmm. And then let me make the correlation that way, that there's some sort of linkage between us as well. Um, and then also our platform does facial recognition. So it recognizes mm -hmm. as well individuals. And then the third layer, which is a technology from MIT, which we're trying to leverage is facial kingship. So basically without even doing a DNA test, you can tell who's related to you. And this is essential because in many parts of the world, most people don't realize is that's a massive entry barrier in terms of logistics, getting a DNA sample, or even the cost of a DNA sample, right? And now you have a platform that does it for you for free that has a like 95% correlation of probability of being true is that's better than zero, right? And not knowing. Um, so that's another thing that a lot of people have to think into, into consideration is in terms of the entry barrier for children, right? It's a zero cost for a child and for an adult 
that's the way the platform was designed from the ground up. Wow. Wow. Okay, so that's three. You said there was four, right? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> data, image duplication, facial recognition, and facial uh -huh. kingship. Oh, or. kinship. Kinship, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that is incredible. So let's say there is a match, and let's say, you know, the child finds out. Then what would next be the next empowering step for the child? So the next empowering step right, right now for, for the adult side of it, we have to have, we have an API verification for the adult that they have to provide some sort of uh, governmental documentation, making sure validate they are who they say they are, right. et cetera. Because uh, that, that's essential for the adult side. Um, we empower the child. So the child is the one that has to initiate the conversation. It okay. can be the other way around. That's the way our platform is work, uh, works as well. And, um, one thing that we're trying to mitigate in terms of a reunification process, and this is what we need partners to partner with in terms of having that reunif reunification process, because it can be downright scary, right? Especially for a parent and, and the child, right? So there, we want it, we, we're, we're seeking out partners who want to take that um, because our, our goal is to create the connection mm -hmm. that's our goal and currently since our platform's so new we just we just launched it two weeks ago oh um, my gosh yeah <laughs> we just launched it two weeks ago um right now it, you can go ahead and contact directly with the child can contact the parent however in the future as we start scaling we want to have a medium in between that's mm -hmm. the idea Right. So when you say partners, are you talking um, centers, counselors, um, you know, psychologists, uh, you know, what kind of partners are you talking about? All the above. That you all mentioned. of the above. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's essential that we all unify and, and you know, to, to make, ha have a higher quality life for the child. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So people that are listening, I mean, if they are psychologists, counselors, or, you know, even, I'm even thinking like, medical, you know, we're, we're taught so much to look for different signs, you know, and I had a human trafficking um, uh, organization on as well. And it just even walking around the grocery stores, some different signs that you can see. And so even, you know, um, family physicians or pediatricians that I'm seeing as well, you know, I don't know if are you are like your vision, are you hoping that there might even be a questionnaire or something like that, you know, in a, that people put on their intake forms or things like that, just in a medical, you know, profession type of thing. Maybe not the pediatrician because the parent's still filling it out, right? <laughs> so, so I'm assuming the parent that's taking care of the child would probably skip over that. But, you know, a family physician or like I said, when they get older or even in college, you know, I remember there's different medical clinics in college, you know, start, starting to have those conversations there where the child would actually be on their own to think for themselves as well and ask those further questions. You know, what are your, what's some of your visions that you're hoping to see um, with what you started? Yeah, that's a great question. And yes, uh, absolutely. You're right. I think one of the visions that I'd see this uh, in terms how we can help, you know, in, in another area you, talk, you touched on is human trafficking, right? Um, and our platform can, and we plan to use the technology in that sense as well. Um, Hopefully, the way we, we want to use the technologies is a similar way as 
computer vision is being used for self-driving cars where we can go ahead and yes, it's uh, a young adult or or an adult themselves can fill out this information kind of in other partners, like you said, physicians can start asking these questions. They can fill out these forms or, or educate them. They can go to this platform and, and, and sign up. Um, but the end goal would be that we have a computer vision model that if there's somebody that's missing uh, or abducted and somebody's looking for them, that with technology, you know, with somebody downloads an app, you take a picture and you want to use like, hey, is there anybody looking for you? Because let's say you, you know, let's just say hypothetically say, um, my parent, one of my parents says that I might want my other parent abandoned me, right? Let's say I take a picture of me like, hey, let's see if it's true. And I can see with computer vision if, if, if there's somebody's out there looking for me. Um, or you can go to a doctor's office and you also have that question. And then mm-hmm. one of your patients is like, well, I've never really asked, but I'm kind of curious now, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. yeah. But, but for that, we need to bring a lot of awareness on, on – to our population, something that again, it's a taboo to talk about. It's like it's like abortion, right? We 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 don't want to really talk about it. And this is, I think, even further down than that. Yeah, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking, it's it's so interesting. You're the perfect person for this, and I know that it's not the best compliment because it's your situation that brought you to this, you know. But you were like a normal person, you know, living in the Silicon Valley, you know, around technology. So you've got that technology interest, curiosity, background. Unfortunately, with your experience, you know, the passion now right behind this, I mean, you are the perfect person that has created such a powerful tool that I see, you know, coming up in the future and a lot of different people who are going to be able to use it and even organizations, like you said, whether it is refugees or human trafficking or abuse or whatever it is, right? It's not just abduction. Um, You know, what, are there any stories or projects? I know it's so early on though, that you might have experienced that may have touched your heart to kind of keep going in this field. I mean, cause you could literally just drop it and say, well, this is what happened to my daughter and I, you know, and I could just walk away. You know, what keeps you going? Uh, several emails, people who email me and tell me how touched they are that there's actually somebody that cares. Um, and hearing their stories, how they felt unloved. Well, um, I mean, I get many of these emails who people who who write to me personally. Even some of people, some of my colleagues at work and I'd find my parent um, people that I know as well personally mm-hmm. who say this means a lot to them um, and of course the love from my child I mean if you can no matter what that doesn't go away and the pain mm-hmm. the pain is so big um, I just tried instead of I mean it would have been easy to wallow in alcohol or drugs I, I can understand some people wanting to do that unfortunately that's not in my DNA um, so I pivoted to try to do something good, something yeah. better. Yeah. But, and I mean, I just, I can't imagine how I'm fully in belief that your daughter is going to be so proud of what you created. And, um, you know, at the point where this does happen with the reunification of both of you, 
as well. I mean, just to see how hard you fought, even though you were not um, given maybe the satisfaction right away, right? And maybe you'll live in the satisfaction of other families being reunited until you can be reunited, right? But um, just to have her be so proud of and to see what you've created because of the situation that has happened. You know, um, I cannot actually wait for that. You'll have to tell me. <laughs> tell the line. <laughs> wow. Hopefully sooner than later. Hopefully sooner yes. than later. I mean, yeah. I mean, she's she turns she turns five in March. Um, so the goal here is to build a kick-ass platform. Kick-ass. You know, we have a really mm -hmm. badass team, and um, where every avenue in terms of the technology side of it, in terms of the media content that we're producing, the animation content that we're producing, um, and awareness that we're producing. And currently, we're producing in 23 different languages, spread awareness, wow. to target 95% of the population <laughs> worldwide. Wow. Um, we want to bring this, when the Olympics happen in Japan, to bring awareness at a global scale. Like, this is a problem. It's a problem in Japan, but also it's a problem back at home. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Yep. Even, even though we have co-parenting laws in the United States, there's still 20 million children here who do not know a parent. And that number should not be anywhere near that, not in this country, not in any country. So for people who are listening to this, watching this, you know, and want to be involved, support your organization, support you, you know, what's the best way or what's, what's the most help that you need? Let's, let's go that avenue because we'll have everything listed to get a hold of you. And you've made it so easy to learn a little bit more about Find My Parent just with all the social media handles and everything that you're building. Um, so what would be the best way um, or that you would need help in building this out and getting awareness out, I should say? Yeah, uh, I think the best way is for people to spread awareness that ask questions. If you have friends who may not know who their parents are or who their family are, have them question that and register to our platform because they might be surprised. Maybe the other parent did not abandon them. Maybe there's more to it that they were never told. There's another side to it, right? Um, and if everybody out there can register to our platform, one thing that does is, you know, we see our platform like change.org where the more people are registered, the more we can put, push our politicians for change, even in the, in the United States, because in, it's that of my belief that a, a parent that's willing and able to be a parent should not have to go through the court system to prove that they want to be a parent because that's basically what you have to do. It's an uphill battle here in this country in itself. You shouldn't have to spend a dime to be a parent uh, if you want to and willing to be a parent. Uh, and I know many, many people who are immigrants into this country who are afraid, who don't have the financial resources to go through that battle, and they just give up. But that should never be the case. So the way to support is register on our platform. We will take care of the advocacy part of it um, and push legislative for change. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, what is one piece of advice that you can share with my listeners? Um, just about, I mean, like I said, you came from where you were and you've created this amazing platform and organization. Um, but what would be some piece of advice that you could share with my listeners about just making this world a better place just from you Enrique. Oh, uh, that's a, <laughs> let me think about that one. What would be, 
I know this is one of your questions. Um, I would say, don't be selfish. Uh, our children are our future, and don't screw it up. Thank well. I, I love that. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. I know that, um, again, very early on, but so much prospect. And I'm excited to see where this journey takes you. And thank you so much for spending some time with me to share this message out to, to help get some awareness for what you're doing. Um, I've got a lot of people um, that I'm going to, I'm excited to just share this uh, organization with. So thank you. Thank you so much for being on our show. All right, thank you. Thank you for ha having me here, Dr. Phillips. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World, and thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This is Loudspeaker.